Yo, what's going on, everyone? It's Brian here with Drink a Beer and Play a Game, and today I am doing the podcast solo. Jim is on a much-needed vacation, and I just wanted to keep this consistent. I've said that many videos in a row, and I really want to keep doing a podcast every two weeks just to keep content for you guys and to really help, you know, the people who listen to us on iTunes. I just want to stay as consistent as possible. Can't guarantee it's going to be a full hour because I have no one really to banter with. Um, so I'll do my best, but I do have some info and some information I think you guys might really like to know, especially about something new that I've just created. But before we get there, today I am drinking the Yards Brawler. Now, Yards is one of the most popular breweries in Philly, and anyone who drinks from there probably knows this beer. But let me get pouring and be, and I'll do Jim's bit about reading the uh, the label. So, <clears throat> this is the label reads: Craft it in the style of an English session ale. This malt forward ruby colored ale is great for when you want to go a few rounds, and it's four point two percent. Um, a little bit more information. When we first got into brewing, it was just to make beer for ourselves. Friends liked it, so we made more. As our circle of friends has grown, so has our line of handcrafted ales. We're proud of each and every one we brew. We hope you and your friends enjoy them as much as we do from Yards. Uh, yeah, one little thing to note with that whenever you do a beer that's a, that says a session beer, a lot of people mistakenly think that's an actual specific style really what it means is a beer that you can drink consistently i'll say that and you know you can have sessions with so it's not a really specific style of beer this is more of an english brown ale uh you know it's got that more ruby brown color i know with the camera it's a little tougher to see i'm gonna do my best not to drink too much because it's usually easier when jim and i are doing this together i can drink when he talks yada 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 Anyway, let me just get started with the new news for our site. Um, recently, I've been playing around with uh, the idea of putting together brackets, similar to March Madness or any other type of bracketing you've seen. And I wanted to start running weekly brackets for our site to get fan in engagement. You know, we're almost at 10,000 followers on Twitter, our YouTube and everything else. We get a lot of comments on things. And... Videos are always a great way, but I wanted something else to have more fan input on their opinions, what you know they think compared to us. So I put together the first bracket, the if you want to call it the inaugural bracket for us, and it's really trying to find the best video game console. Now, voting starts today, which is July 7th, July 9th. I'm already fucking up. And it goes until this Sunday. Um, I will reveal the results at the next Power Hour podcast. And next week, as soon as this poll ends, I'm going to be starting another one with the best beer style. So every week, I'm going to alternate between a video game topic and a beer topic, going with the theme of our website. Uh, there's going to be lots of tough matchups, as we've already gotten comments on the one for best console. And, uh, you know... I don't want to say any spoilers. I will say, for me personally, when I voted, I picked PS2 as my favorite. Jim, I know he picked Sega Genesis, because of course he would. And, yeah, I'm really curious. I, I have thoughts on which console will win. Uh, if I'm a betting man, uh, 
I, I almost want to say either NES or Super NES, maybe PS2 if people were like me and really love that console. Those Of those three, that would be my guess as to what's probably going to win. But who knows? We've already gotten... We've gotten a lot of votes already. So either way, <clears throat> I don't want to ramble on too much about this. But like I said, get your votes in by this Sunday. And it, it'll be a fun little thing because every Power Hour podcast from that point forward will be able to give results from both the beer and the game. And, you know, like I said, I, I want our fans to be able to engage with each other too. On Twitter, <laughs> I actually saw someone put up like Sega Saturn as the winner. So I want to see people who pick the upsets. And when I when I, you know, put the matchups together, I try my best not to make things too much of a blowout, but I also don't, didn't want to start off the bracket with, you know, Sega Genesis versus Super NES. I wanted, wanted it to get to that point naturally, if, if possible. Now, there are some matchups I will say I have in there that I would be absolutely amazed if the Atari 2600 ever loses out to the Odyssey. Could happen, but uh, yeah. So either way, that's something I'm really excited about. And if you guys ever have suggestions of brackets to do, obviously, send us information. You can email us, write on our website, really anything you want to do. Um, I can tell you right now, I have a ton of ideas for video games and beer. So if you send us a suggestion, I'll either say, hey, I already got it lined up, or I'll add it to the list. Obviously, if it's happening every other week in a certain topic you like, it might take a while to get to. But either way, it's something really excited about. I love doing this and getting the fans involved. So hope you guys will enjoy that. So for the rest of the podcast today... Um, there's a thing that has come up multiple times whenever we do our video game reviews or even our beer reviews. People always question about how do we rate things. And if you watch our videos, it's very, in a way, structured in the sense that we try to stay consistent with how we're actually rating a game. And if you recall from any of the videos we've, we've talked about before, we love other online reviewers, but we also felt there were certain things lacking. There was a lack of consistency. There was too much nostalgia versus the actual how good is a game. So I want to put all this to bed and go through how we rate things, what's the criteria, and why you may not ever see a perfect 10 for some games that, in your opinion, may deserve it. So starting with video games, the first, graphics. This is one that's kind of undebatable as to what we mean by this. Really, it's artwork, colors, animations, and for the most part, varieties and sprites or models relative to the console. So, you know, some games can have a whole plethora of different sprites, while others may only have one or two enemies, and even if they're super detailed, it gets repetitive. Um, but once again, graphics are a very... A very simple category that I think everyone understands. The sound. Now this is another one everyone knows. We're talking about the music, the sound effects, ambient noises, if there's environmental noises, all, just everything that composes everything you hear within a game. We tend to give better scores to games that have super memorable soundtracks that will get stuck in your head forever, like Super Mario, like Sonic, Castlevania. I mean, most Konami games. I could go on and on with that. But then again, there are there are games that are horror games that might not have the most, you know, 
memorable soundtracks. They're just there for the ambient noise or background, and it's really the sound effects, the creature effects, the you know all the little details that can make an experience make you feel like you're there. So that's kind of the basis that we do sound on. <laughs> the control. This is an interesting one. So people instinctually think when we're talking about control, we're strictly speaking about uh, input response and if there's any lag, hit detection, things of that nature. It's all those things for sure. And those have the largest amount of impact to our score. Like if you're playing a game and you know you hit the attack button and there's a delay in the animation, that's a big issue for us. But another thing we kind of tack onto there is if there's a really steep learning curve with how to use the controls effectively, that can result in affecting in how the game operates. Some people could argue that's a gameplay thing, but for us, it is directly tied with control. If you need to memorize a shit ton of different combos or something and you can only beat the game by really memorizing that stuff, to us, that's a bit of a flaw. You know, a game that's great is a game that has simplistic controls and it's all about the timing of it. So if you add a level of complexity that's just a, you're trying to memorize how to use the control, that's a part of the issue too. So that, that I hope, clears up for some people why some games might have really good control and no input lag or anything like that, but we still can't give it a 10. Next is the gameplay. This is one of the, uh, the ones that always seems to be grouped in with every other review site we've seen. They tend to to tag things like originality, replayability, all the things that we've broken out, they just top, you know, throw on top of the gameplay. For us, gameplay is really how much fun is the game? You know, how deep is the experience? Is it compelling? Does it have a good story? All these things that get tied into a good gameplay. And you know it when you see it. Um, some games can control perfectly, but the gameplay is just really basic and boring. Others, uh, you know, they have a whole bunch of mechanics to them, but there's just something about that's not in intuitively fun, especially games that get repetitive. That's one of the big pet peeves for Jim and I. Um, we love shoot-em-ups, we love pack-and-slash, but we always want them to have a purpose or have something that offers variety. If you're always doing the same thing over and over, kind of like the cliffhanger games, it just gets really boring and the gameplay suffers. So for us... That's really the score that maximizes how much fun we're having. The originality is as easy as it sounds. It's, um, has the game introduced any new ideas to a video game genre? Any new gaming mechanics we haven't seen? Uh, special control schemes? A storyline that's super original? Power-ups, characters? We'll look for anything we can to give a game points for originality. Now, I will say... Some games, you know, it's always tough when you're doing sequels because a lot of times sequels are nothing more than uh, same character, same type of gameplay, but just the power-up. If a game can really adjust the way that character controls and the mechanics and everything you thought you knew, then we can give it plenty of points. But other games, they can suffer because they're just knockoffs of other game, you know, of other titles. So originality is another one where people tend to disagree with us of how we're scoring it but at least that's the way we feel when we're doing these reviews replayability <laughs> so this is the funniest one for me because even to this day and me and jim sat and you know i i kind of came up with a scheme of how we should score things and he agreed to it now 
if you know Jim, you know he's not always the most, what's the word I'm looking for? He doesn't pay attention to things very well. And even to this day, he still puts replayability kind of where a gameplay should be on how fun it is. Do you want to come back to the game? And, you know, by some people's definitions, that's what replayability should be. Do you want to come back and play? But the way I was looking at it is put that score towards your gameplay. That's the fun factor. Replayability to me is really, does the game actually give you a reason to come back and play? Other than it being fun, meaning are you going to have different endings? Can you unlock special powers, costumes, uh, you know, Simple examples I'm always going to go to are like Resident Evil games. When you get a better ending, you can get a special weapon. Uh, when you get a, even look at Metroid that we just reviewed. If you beat it in a fast enough time, you can see Samus with less and less clothing. I mean, there's all types of examples of this, and you know it when you play it. Or games that are really, really open-ended, and there's just a ton of side missions or a ton of things or give you branching paths. Any reason to go back and legitimately pick up to get a brand new experience. Because if you play a game and you beat it, and you can now just go back and beat it faster with no different consequence at the end, that's a matter of you're going back and playing it because of how fun it was, which goes back to gameplay. So the other thing I'll say about replayability is anytime you have a two-player game, automatically we give a five. Because the thinking behind that is, when you're playing with a person, it can be a different experience depending on who you're playing and how their play style is. So automatically, any game you pick up, especially most sports games, yeah, the game itself is the same, but each individual match or whatever you're doing with the person should be different in theory, especially if you're playing with different people. So once again, that is what replayability is to us. And finally, overall. Well, I shouldn't say finally. And then there's overall. Now, with overall, this is our chance to geek out and throw any nostalgia we have and a, a feeling of what we really feel this game deserves. Um, I'll go back to Resident Evil. Love the shit out of that game. Without going back and looking at my scores, I probably gave the overall 9 or 10. Is that a game that deserves a 9 or 10 to most people? Absolutely not, especially based on all my other criteria. However, I personally love that game so much. I go back to it all the time, and it has it does have that nostalgia to me, and it's just a general feeling of how you felt the game was represented to you. I'm someone who loves horror games, so I'm always going to curve my score in this category a little higher. Uh, you know, Jim, he loves puzzle games, shoot 'em ups He'll probably always curve his overalls for those a little different too. So this is our chance to really impose our feelings, trying to keep it as close to unbiased as possible because the rest of the criteria, we, we usually we give each other shit when we seem to be veering too, too you know far off the screen from how we feel about a game. But overall is our chance to really say this is how we feel. Then finally, we always do the tally up of, of the total score. And that is a weighed average of all the criteria we just mentioned. Now, <clears throat> now, without going into the specifics of what each actual category is weighed, I will say gameplay and control are the most important, followed by overall our personal score because it is our site and we want to have a little bit more weight to that. Then it's graphics and sound, then originality and replayability. I can tell you right now, <laughs> the number of people who have complained about our originality scores, if we gave every game a 10, it really wouldn't adjust the score, the overall total score, 
really that much. We used to do an average that was just equal among all of them, but we realized, now obviously if a game has great gameplay but sound kind of sucks, it can make up for it. So, in a nutshell, that is the way we score these games. And I would love to hear what you guys think. I can't say we're ever going to change that, but I wanted to just give enough input so that you guys understand the logic behind it and know we're not doing it arbitrarily and we're trying to keep it as consistent as possible. Because if any of you watch our videos, we're not scripted. We're not, you know, we don't pre-think too much about how we're going to do a video or how we're going to do a review. We legit, we sit down, we play a game, we talk about the scores, things we like, things we don't like, and then we just kind of go with it. So the only structure we have is in the way we rate these games. So let us know what you think about that. <clears throat> All right. So, sorry, I had to take a quick sip of beer. Now on to the beer ratings. This is another one where, you know, Beer Advocate, Untapped, a lot of these places just do a general give a four out of, you know, uh, five out of five star or whatever the rating system is and then you see legit reviewers who for the most part all have the same type of review style when we first start the site jim and i were very big on there should be a category for alcohol how much alcohol beer is and there should be a category for how much the beer cost without doubt they, those are important aspects of a beer but i can say after try, trying like thousands of beer you can't really do it that way because a beer that might cost 20 bucks a bottle but are, is truly worth it, all of a sudden that score will get driven down just strictly because of the price tag. And that's not really the right way that you want to evaluate beer. So the way we looked at it, we kind of try to keep it as simple as possible. So I'll go through through these as fast as I can. The first being the appearance of the beer. Most beer reviewers especially ones that are very serious and licensed and accredited and all that you know they're they look at the appearance and they think you know the color of the beer is it the right hue for the type of beer it is is there foam on the head is there lacing it, how long does the head stay how much carbonation is there whole lot of criteria and while that is important to us to a degree um i actually refer to the appearance of the bottle or the can itself because being someone who I know the styles I like and I know which particular breweries I really like. But if I'm going to go out and say, you know what, I'm in the mood to try something else. One of the big selling points for me is the bottle or the can itself and the artwork on it. The amount of time a brewery decides to spend on that to me doesn't always correlate to the quality. But I appreciate them doing something because... There are some beers that go super minimalist, and that's their choice and their style, and it's just basic-ass font, and it looks eh. Unless I have a friend tell me, yo, that beer is really good, you need to try it. Honestly, I'm probably never going to just go pick up that can. And I'm not someone who wants to go in a beer store, open up my app, see what beers are rated. I just want to get the experience myself. So when I see companies that do spend the time to put good artwork we give those a little bit higher score for the appearance. I just think that is a easy way to determine who's going to pick up what beers, and it's a category that usually goes unnoticed. So the next category is the aroma. I mean, that's as direct as it can be. How strong is it? How varied is it? And, um, you know, 
does it enhance your ability to drink the beer? I've already done some beer reviews for Miller Lite and Budweiser, and the aroma is super lacking. But a beer like this, you can get tons of notes of, like, toffee, of caramel, and it lingers fairly well. It's not the strongest smelling beer, but it, the aroma is there, and it does help enhance your enjoyment of the beer right before you're about to sip it. So that's that category. Taste, not even going to waste time on this one. You know what it is. It's how strong is it, what's the complexity, and how good is the flavor. The experience. Now, this is where I combined a lot of subcategories that most reviewers will do because, you know, one of the big things you'll see if you ever look at a beer review is the mouthfeel. Really, that, that, that kind of ties it to... Is the beer dry? Does it leave you a little salivating? Does it burn? Does it, you know, leave bitter? There's all types of things with the mouthfeel and how, how you like it. Some will describe a beer as creamy, some as tart, some as clean, crisp. Once you really start drinking a lot of beers, you'll understand it almost immediately. I still am finding myself, you know, I can detect what the appropriate mouthfeel is a beer. But on top of that, what's more important to me is how drink what's the drinkability of the beer you know when i'm sitting here drinking a beer like this it's not too heavy goes down fairly smooth <clears throat> sorry my dogs are breaking something upstairs um it's not too heavy goes down fairly smooth and it's a generally enjoyable experience i like beers like that and it's also how strong is the beer is you know are you taking a few sips it's super boozy and you're gonna get drunk right off of one bottle that could be a good or bad thing depending on your mood and what type of beer it is. So the experience is where is one of the more all-encompassing categories, and it captures a lot of different areas that most brew reviewers would separate. For me, that's about the whole all, overall experience of the beer. From the moment I pick this up, drink it, and then how I feel, especially with a hangover at the end of the day or the next day, that's all part of drinking beer and part of the experience. So it's a little more of the... The nuanced categories, I'll say. And then finally, there's the myself and Jim score. Most of the time, it's my scores because I tend to drink a lot more beers than Jim. But this is the final gut check. How do we feel about this beer? Did we like it? Um, you know, there can be beers that you might not love the aroma, but man, that taste is amazing and the experience is awesome. And you love, like, there's a lot of factors, but that's just that final gut check. This is our score. This is what we think this beer should be. And similar to our video game reviews, finally, we go to our total score, which once again, it's a weighed average of all the individual categories. For beer, taste and experience are going to be paramount. Those are the two most, exp the most important aspects of the beer, and they're weighed the heaviest, followed by our score, then aroma, and then finally appearance. Appearance, once again, not going to give a ton of points to the appearance because that's not going to make or break a beer for me. But it is something that might take a beer, might actually get my foot in the door to try a beer. So that's why we have it broken out that way. If you have any other questions on the way we rate these beers or video games and, you know, you just want to talk to us about it, once again, email us, comment. We try our best to answer everyone, and I hope we always give you guys the respect of answering you. So... If you send us comments, you're going to get something. All right, so another topic I'll uh, throw out there since I am running this solo again. 
You know, we're going through, we're doing these video game reviews. I've said multiple times, we started this site with the idea we're going to find the best type of game from every genre, from every system, yada, yada, yada. It's a lofty goal, and we've played more games than I think we ever would have had we not done this. But it can also grow tiresome. When you play 22 baseball games on the NES, you get a little worn down. And when you're playing every single fighting game for the Super NES and Sega Genesis in search of the best... It can, it can just, you know, it can get boring after a while. So we've changed it up. We are, you know, our goals for each month can change. Right now we're going through doing the best of, you know, the Atari, NES, Super NES, and Sega Genesis. And we're choosing the best games based on aggregate scores. One category we may or may not get to, but I always, you know, wanted us to do is uh, particular our favorite PC games. Um you may have heard us talk about PC games in the past. We're not huge PC gamers. You know, we don't run Xbox, PS4 quality games off of it. We have usually older games, RTSs, or anything like that. And one genre of game that I absolutely always loved since I was a kid is is the real-time strategy. Um, and I just wanted to sit here and show you and go through, you know, the games that always inspired me and i still love to this day so first of all the original age of empires was a game that got me into rts's the idea of building up you know gathering resources building a city building an army and that kind of just you know i love sim city but i never it never hooked me like that like age of empires did because it lacked that battle aspect and the strategy of using units against other units and i just love that so for me, the epitome of the, that type of game has always been Age of Empires 2, especially with the expansions. It's a game that it's still to this day, I think they've remastered on Steam. There's always competitions and it has a hardcore following and it's for good reason. It's amazing. Um, each civilization obviously plays completely different from one another. I'm not going to sit here and give you a whole history lesson of that game. But what I will say is um, I've personally always loved that style more than StarCraft. Jim, he loves StarCraft. And that's great if you're good at being competitive in those games. I suck at being competitive. I actually prefer playing single player, not campaigns, just playing individual matches against a bunch of AI robots or whatever, because I like to take my time. I like seeing like a city legit built up and and not having to rush and use hotkeys and get a million units to this point. I respect the strategy in those things, but that's just not my style. So because of Age of Empires, that led me into a series that I could only have hoped for as a kid. Um, my biggest fault with those Age of Empire games and a lot of other RTSs was the limited amount of units you could have. Even if you had the minimal amount of civilians, you could only have, I think, like 100, maybe 200 units on a screen at a time. I always wanted a full, big-scale army. So then I would go on to discover the Rome Total War series, which, holy hell, you're talking thousands and thousands, I think... In some cases, you can get up to 10,000 units of different armies battling each other. And that game, whew, it's it can push a lot of people away. The amount of management you have to do at each settlement, the amount of politics and moving your armies, there's so much involved. But man, when you get down to the actual battle, 
it's going to test your strategy. Even if you have the best units in the world, um, there's things like if your morale breaks, if you get outflanked, there's so many little nuances that you just have to do perfectly. And it teaches you like, oh, okay, these armies did this style of warfare and, you know, you have to use them to advantage. If you choose to be like the Spartans and you get flanked by horses from behind, you're going to get messed up. Learning all those nuances made the game so much fun for me. And, of course, that led into basically every other Total War game. Uh, I went up to as far as the Empire Total War. I did not get Shogun. Um, I didn't get into those newer generations because by that point, my computer sucked. Now, I have a computer. I could probably run those games. I just don't have the time. I would love to get back into them. But these games to me are still just... Let me put them up here. These games to me are still just the epitome of large-scale battles that, you know, if you really do want to get involved, and especially if you want to do something nutty like, I don't know, have the Celtic nation of the Roman era try and take over all of Europe and that little section of Africa and, and you know, Eastern Europe... This is a game that can let you do that, and I would highly recommend it, but I would say know what you're getting into because this game could be boring to some people and super frustrating. So, yeah, these two. And then finally, one of the games I would call as my dark horse of RTSs, which I knew nothing at all about. It was one of those cases where I think I was just uh, wandering not GameStop, some game store and I came across is the Dawn of War RTS. Now, Dawn of War has come out with a newer version. I think it's just called Dawn of War 2, and the graphics look absolutely insane, and that's all well and good, but this game right here, holy hell, it combined even more aspects that I liked from Age of Empires. Once again, drastically different, um, I wouldn't call them civilizations, but factions you could pick from. It pulls from the Warhammer 40K universe, which... I knew nothing about. I know a lot more about right now. Uh, obviously, it was one of those board games where you can pre-paint the figures and you know make them fight each other that way. But I will say, this game <laughs> it takes it the different units to a whole nother level because you can have things like the the Chaos uh, Marine units who have these giant monsters that come out and you have to use them a spe special way. But then you have some of the other factions that are all about stealth and robotics. So each experience truly is different. And the best thing I like about this is um, depending on which of the expansions you have, your goal is to take over a whole planet and you go from, I'll call it like almost a mini country or territory to territory, in search of taking over the whole planet. And I always like that style versus just, you know, a preset only take over these numbers because you need to really figure out who you're going to allocate resources to and every faction from the game is on that planet. So you might be in a really big war with the Chaos Marines, but then you get attacked from somebody else and you're going to have to some sometimes just give up a land because you don't have enough resources there. So another one, this is my dark horse, like I said, that I, that I grew to love. And it's just a type of game style that has always really appealed to me. Um, I'm not a competitive person when it comes to this. I will play friends. I don't like to play randoms because, once again, it goes into that just build, 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 build. There's almost a 
it's less of a open experience because I feel like if you don't do a certain method, you're almost guaranteed to lose against players that know how to do. And I know I'm probably saying that a little goofy. People who play StarCraft, when I watch them, you almost always see the same strategies. Like maybe there's three or four strategies depending on who you pick. And if you don't do it perfectly right from the beginning and you don't get your hotkeys down, you're going to get smoked. And like I said, that's just never appealed to me. So just wanted to share that with you guys. All right. So then really I don't have... A whole lot else to say. Um, I am in the process of, and I've mentioned this multiple times, I've been going through re-uploading beer reviews, video game reviews, trying to get our site a lot more active. Now, we've had a lot of activity and a lot of viewers on our site, and I'm so thankful for you guys that do come over. So as you come to our site to fill out these brackets from a weekly basis, check out some of our other links, and, you know, I would love your feedback on there because... Um, you know, on days or weeks where Jim and I get really busy, a video might be a little too much for us to get out. We always do it, try to get at least a review out, a few segments from our power hour, a beer review, whatever we can, we try and get out. But the site is something I feel like no matter what, I can put enough time into to get something out to you guys. So, yeah, make sure you check that out. Other than that, I don't think I really have anything else. Uh, we have, Jim and I do have topics we keep on record for for when we, when we meet together to do these power hours, and I don't want to take anything away from those. And it's really tough because there is one topic that I would love to talk about, but I'm not going to. I'll wait till Jim's here because I want to see his reaction. Um, just once again, guys, in general, Thank you so much for the support, subscribing to us on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram, and anywhere you follow us, we really appreciate it. And we're, we really try to do our best to, if you ask us to do a review, we're going to try and get to it. We're, we're never just ignoring you guys. So thank you all again. Sorry that this one is a little shorter, but like I said, I don't want to ramble on for too long. I hate when people tend to do that. Um, so let us know what you think below and as always guys, cheers.